Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbert. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who, Doctor Who, Watch and On podcast. With me, as always, is what rounds with host, most boast, a man who doesn't like to boast. It's Harry Murdoch. That is true. I am incredibly humble. <laughs> he is. Um, little um, behind-the-scenes secret. This is the second time we've recorded this episode, isn't it, Harry? Yes, because um, we uh, the first time we recorded this, we got three minutes of me um, intensely eating a biscuit, and then we stopped recording because it was really bad, and then we forgot to start recording again. Yeah, well, we, we, we yeah, it was my fault. I didn't push the record button until we got right to the end and we finished. And then we got to the very end of the podcast, and I went, Oh no, they <laughs> pushed the record button. It was literally soul destroying. It was because we talked for a good hour, but hopefully, um, yeah, we can um, carry on where that is. So, we're doing Doctor Who series one, episode 13, which is called What Harry? The Parting of the Ways. And it's the final ever. Christopher Eccleston Doctor Who story um, what do you think about it? I thought it was great, I thought it was a great send off um, to Chris Eccleston, I thought it was a great series finale, it tied up a, a lot of loose ends um, really kind of the thing that for me that's so great about it is just kind of, there's so many kind of great character beats, resolutions kind of, kind of character journeys being kind of resolved it's all just kind of ties up very, very neatly. Um, yeah. And it's just very satisfying for me. No, it definitely is. There's a lot in this episode which I think has become, um, I wouldn't say iconic with the show, but some definitely iconic imagery. Um, I really, really like the shot of the TARDIS spinning into battle against the Dalek missiles at the start of the episode. Mm. There's something really yeah, good mean, about... Sorry, of... go on. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that... Um... They do kind of just fly the TARDIS straight into battles, considering that, you know, the TARDIS can warp, but maybe there's like, I don't know, maybe was there a reason they couldn't warp straight onto the Dalek ship? Or... I don't know. The button was stuck, I think. Oh, right. I mean, it doesn't really matter because, you know, <laughs> it's an excuse to have, you know, the cool image of kind of the TARDIS in action, which isn't something you really see in the show a lot, so it's kind of a special moment when it does happen. Yeah, I I really like seeing it in action as well. There's something about it, especially going up against these big metallic futuristic ships, and you just and see this blue box, box. Yeah, yeah, just flying through the air. Like I'm coming for you. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, kind of. That's kind of like the essence of kind of the appeal of Doctor Who. You know, it's just got that kind of, you know, kind of twee British charm. Yeah, it's that underdog feeling, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also in that shot. That you get the and for my next trick line, which was reused in Day of the Doctor. Yeah. No, that's I, sorry, me. go on. I, I kind of always assumed that like that clip was like for a, a outtake or something. Um so it, it wasn't it did take me out of it a little when I was like, wait a minute, I know that line. <laughs> no, I was the same because it came up and I was like, because the shot they use in the 50th is just that line. But that whole scene is actually starts. It's a conversation between him and Jack, but obviously they cut Jack mm. out of it. I always think it's quite yeah. strange that in the fiftieth that they didn't have the ninth Doctor as a hologram or do that with all the Doctors. Just find a line of dialogue and just show it. It seems strange that yeah. they only did it with Chris. Mm. I mean, I guess it's because I suppose kind of the TV footage from kind of you know eighties, seventies, sixties would have been. I mean, obviously the footage from 2005 is of a lower camera quality than what they use for the day of a doctor, which kind of looks really good. Yeah. Um, but I guess kind of that contrast is less extreme than the contrast you would get with kind of the TV footage from classic who. No, definitely. I found some um, interesting stuff out about Chris and the 50th that we'll have to, uh, we'll do a, 
I don't really want to save it for the 50th because it's quite a while off, and I do want to talk about it. So maybe we'll mm. um, we'll do a video on that at some point. There's a lot of good lines in this episode, especially from the Ninth Doctor. I really like the bit where he steps out the side and he goes, "Let's go see the neighbors," and he walks up to all these Daleks firing at him. Yeah, no, I mean that's great, especially kind of compared with the um, the the kind of bit right before it, where kind of the Ninth Doctor is kind of really kind of reflecting on the fact that you know they're all back and that you know he destroyed his entire race and he thought he'd taken the Daleks out with them, and now it turns out it's for nothing. And the kind of the contrast between that and him suddenly kind of going into this jovial mode and kind of putting up this kind of jolly um, facade. I suppose for Rose and Jack, as well as the Daleks, you know, to maintain face. No, yeah, there's, a, there's another scene as well where he's very happy-go-lucky when he's talking to the Daleks face on and there's a scene where he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, opens the TARDIS door, shuts it and it cuts the inside of the TARDIS. There's no dialogue. It's like a 20-second shot of just the Doctor with his head against the TARDIS door, listening to all these Daleks just firing at him in like a pit of rage. And you, you know that he's having these flashbacks to the, you know, the time war and when he believes that he did blow up the Daleks. Yeah, no, that was a great... I mean, Slavina always really impresses me with kind of like the actors who played a Doctor that kind of... One of the biggest challenges, I guess, is to kind of convincingly sell that you are this alien that's a hundred years old and that has lived through so much and carries that weight on your shoulders. But in that moment, especially Eccleston really kind of, you know, sells that. Yeah. Do you, when you watch Doctor Who, do you forget he's an alien or she, that, that, that he or she is an alien? I do sometimes. Um, it, it depends on the incarnation for me. Hmm. Um, like, um, Eccleston, it kind of depends on the scenario, um, but um, and Tennant is much easier for me to forget because he's a much more kind of humanized Doctor in a way because he's you know much more kind of emotive and you know he has all these kind of flings with human girls. Um, <laughs> Matt Smith, I never forget. I never yeah. forget with Matt Smith that this character is like a hundred or thousands year old alien. Yeah. Yeah, because his performance is just so wonderfully, totally alien. Which is good, because he's an alien. Yes. Good job, <laughs> well, I've learned so much over this podcast. Now I know how to speak and do analytical sentences about Doctor Who. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I this, don't. Uh, well, you'll get there. You'll get there, don't worry. Um, I'm trying. We see inside um, one of the Dalek spaceships. Um, I believe it's a redesign from what we've seen in Classic Who. What do you think to the like the inside of one of these? You know, one of the Dalek spaceships. It's a very um, you know Dalekling spaceship. It's um, you know it's it's bronze like the Daleks. <laughs> like it, it, you can kind of definitely tell it's kind of like the same kind of made by the same race. Yeah, alien species. I know um, when they were designing the Emperor Dalek, there was that sort of, well, we need it to look different, but you, we've got to keep like the bumps that a Dalek would have, and it's got the same headpiece. But apart from that, there's nothing like one. It's not the same shape. It's not the same height. You can actually see the the Dalek itself. Hmm. Um. Yeah, Emperor Dalek. It's really cool design. I mean, one thing I do wonder about the Emperor Dalek is that kind of. It, was the Emperor Dalek created by the other Daleks? Or was he created by Davros? Um, I do not know. I know that, because I tried to do a bit of research, and from what I could figure out is that there have been several different Dalek Emperors that have been different characters, if you know what I mean. Like, there's been different Davros actors, but yeah. it's still the same character, whereas it seems that Dalek Emperor gets passed down. So it's like a title. Yeah, yeah, almost, yeah. But I don't, okay, yeah, they okay. don't really That's explain it. I know it's been in Classic Who before and the new Dalek web series we're getting, it's going it's gonna to appear in there. Mm. But each incarnation looks slightly different and seems to get weirder and bigger each time. Maybe it's a thing where um, when you like a Dalek gets appointed the rank, they get put, they get kind of an upgraded armor or something. Yeah, yeah, almost, yeah. We mentioned it there, Davros. 
Um, there is no Davros in this episode. It does seem like if they were to do this story now, you would have Davros instead of the Dalek Emperor. Why do you think they didn't include Davros? Um, I reckon it's probably because um, they're introducing kind of so so many people watching this. Um, Doctor Who was you know brand new, especially to kind of young viewers. And this series kind of already introduces so much, perhaps to introduce then kind of Davros, this strange looking kind of man who travels in kind of his own little Dalek kind of mobility vehicle. Perhaps that they felt would have been kind of a step too much and that would have overwhelmed new viewers. Um, and so perhaps, so perhaps a concept of an Emperor Dalek before it would be much easier to digest. Yeah, and even though the Emperor Dalek is quite a big part in the story, he doesn't actually have a lot of screen time. So I imagine it would have been, if you're going to have a character like Davros, you want to justify having that case. You just want to have him appear and then disappear. You want to be, this yeah. is a Davros story. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, you look at Davros and now, and since the, show's re- since the show's returned, we've only had Davros twice. Twice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. David Tennant and then Capaldi as well. Yeah, was it the same actor playing Davros both times? It was. Um, I can't. I think his name's Julian. Um, I can't. His second name does escape me. Oh, that could be his second name. Um, mm. but he, yeah, there isn't much online about him. Um, mm. obviously because I've tried to contact him to have him on the show, but I can't find anything about him. So <laughs> subscribe, imagine, and maybe that'll happen. I don't know. <laughs> I can imagine. I can kind of imagine um, that. It seems, I think that, I don't imagine this Christmas special, but I, I can see it, like, say, for a third Christmas special or something, I can imagine um, them bringing back Davros for the 13th Doctor. I yeah. can see that happening. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that, yeah, because Jodie played really well with um, the Master in the last series as well, so it'd be good to see Davros as well, I feel. Yeah, and they've already kind of, like, they seem to be establishing this kind of theme of, like, Christmas slash holiday specials are going to be Dalek stories. Yeah, I like that. I'm digging that. Yeah, so you probably are right. Probably not this coming, not 2020 special, maybe 2021, if we get one in 2021, or 2022 special, it'll be a good chance we'll have Davros. Yeah. Lady Davros, I hope, just to annoy everybody. (laughs) (laughs) If I was in charge of Dotsu, I'd do that. Davros is a woman now. Just give him a blonde wig. That's it. Same actor. Nothing else changes. Just a blonde wig. And no one ever addresses it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it's timey-wimey it happen, right? Talking of blonde people, um, Rose Tyler is in this episode, and so is Linda. <laughs> such a weird transition. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm getting good at this now. <laughs> Talk, that talking of blonde people. <laughs> okay. Uh, Linda. Linda's in this. Uh, there's definitely a thing with the Doctor and Linda, don't you think? Yeah, and more so, there's definitely a thing with Rose and her reaction to the Doctor and Linda. Did you know Rose is blonde? Like, it's... Pardon? Did you know Rose is a blonde character? Yes, Tim. Ah, okay, just checking. Yeah. Uh, what was about? Oh, yeah, Rose being jealous. I mean, kind of, very often, kind of, you think of, like, Rose being jealous as something you associate with her in relation to other female characters with the 10th Doctor, but you can kind of... I didn't realise that, kind of, in this story, those seeds were kind of planted here. Like, it's unspoken, but you can tell from the way she watches the Doctor interacting with Linda that, you know, she's jealous. No, definitely, yeah. What do you think of the character of Linda? Do you think, I feel like she's there to sort of create a bit of tension, isn't she? And she's also there so that there is someone to do something when Rose eventually gets sent back home, to show that sort of contrast mm-hmm. between who the Doctor actually really does care about. Yeah, and I think another big part of it is that... Um, it's so we kind of have at least one kind of down to earth, you know, relatable character in kind of like the future that we can, you know, latch onto and feel bad for when, yeah. you know, she gets killed. Linda's death's great. I love it. I think it's so good because it's right in the middle of this battle. 
you're constantly hearing Dalek guns, you're hearing a famous catchphrase, um, I'm going to kill you. Um, so when... when <laughs> Dalek catchphrase. I'm going to kill you now, that's <laughs> what they're saying. So, I'm just thinking about how like unfriending they would be, you know. I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> I'm going to end your life with my laser. <laughs> So this Dalek appears at the window, doesn't it, from outside the ship. The Doctor's told her she's going to be safe. Also, these three Daleks appear from the other side of the window. You can't hear them, but the lights flash on the ears, clearly saying, exterminate, and they kill Linda. Yeah. I think it's one of the best deaths of the whole series. Hmm. I mean, that's something that kind of I really kind of appreciated with the Daleks in this episode, that, you know, they're a character which is very easy to kind of parody make fun of as we've kind of seen in various kind of British and even like American TV shows, sketch shows. But when they're handled like correctly, they are like really threatening and like unsettling. Yeah, I know Russell, he was saying that on um, Confidential for episode six, Dalek, that he was saying he hopes that that episode puts a stop to the Dalek parody scene. Of people going, oh, it's a salt and pepper pot with a plunger in. I mean, I think he succeeded because, like, the only. Like, I think I've watched on a YouTube compilation of kind of like Dalek parodies and such. And the only kind of post um, revival um, parody which I think they f- were able to find for at least that compilation was. I think it was like the Postman Pat movie or something. Ah, well, there's two then. There's the Postman Pat movie, and I know, I know what you mean by that. Which does star David Tennant. Yeah. Oh yeah, David Tennant is. <laughs> I don't know what he does in it. I think he's um, like a, but... he's like an evil. I think for this one called Roderick. I don't know, just a guess. But they're also in the Lego like Batman the movie as well. Who's he playing Lego Batman movie? No, the Daleks are in the Lego Batman movie. Oh, are they? Yeah, yeah. They appear very, oh, yeah, of course. in like little background characters, yeah. I forgot that there was Doctor Who Lego. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like one set, wasn't there? There was, was like one or two sets, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so we've got Linda, we've got the Doctor, we've got Rose, and we also have Jack in what we believe is going to be his last episode. He has a real, I really like the scene where he says goodbye to the Doctor and Rose. Mm, and he gives them both smooches. He gives them both big wet kisses. Mm-hmm. And neither of them are complaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, I watched an interview with Barryman where he said that he was a bit concerned about that thing. He didn't know how to play it because there is obviously an affection for Rose on a romantic level with Jack, but that kiss doesn't significant significant. What, what's the word I'm trying to say? Signify signify that it signifies friendship and just a general love of a human so he says whatever he however he kissed rose he then has to kiss the doctor exactly the same he just wanted to kiss them both this is the first time as well that the doctor's been kissed by a dude is it Uh, i don't know i mean this is the the only other time the doctor has kissed anyone before this point was paul mcgann in the in the tv movie right so it probably is then yeah, I mean, I know that kind of there's kind of been like that kind of evolution over the course of a series of kind of the Doctor developing a sexuality of any sort. Because I know that Tom Baker was has kind of gone on record to say that his Doctor was um, uh, I'm trying to Bonnie. think. No, a, a, like kind of you know that he didn't really have any sexuality. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I, I think maybe that's the same with Jodie as well at the moment. But I don't really think that's a character point. I imagine that's one of the writers idea of going, we're just not going to write this Doctor of sexuality, because if we do, then it brings up deeper issues about the character, which we're then going to have to explore as well. Do you have, like, do you do you prefer the Doctor to kind of have, like, a romantic streak or not? Because I know Um, it's kind of something that lots of people have different opinions about. Not every incarnation, I don't think. Nine's had one with Rose, but it's not in your face. Ten clearly has one with Rose, which is slightly in your face. He then doesn't have one with Martha. With Donna, they're just amazing friends. Matt um, doesn't fancy um, Matt doesn't fancy Karen. Eleven he doesn't fancy. Doesn't he? Yeah, he gets with River, but he doesn't fancy Amy. Does he fancy Clara? Oh yeah. All right, yeah. Um, 
12 doesn't fancy Clara. He has like the one scene. 12 has like the one episode of River, and then there's some people read into his relationship with Missy as being a romantic one. I don't know. I think that's maybe the other way. And I also feel like it's maybe just to tease the Doctor. Right. And then 13, we don't know. There's been no. Maybe maybe she's no. just a big fan of the chase. Maybe she was meant to get Ben Shepard, but she accidentally got Bradley Walsh. <laughs> Wait, who's Ben Shepard? He presents Tipping Point. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's like a deep ITV daytime TV cut. It is. Or Andy Peters from This Morning, from Good Morning Britain. I think every uh, Jody future Jody companion should just be a different ITV game show host. <laughs> it's and yes, my main next. reason for saying this is that I want Stephen Mulhern to be a companion. Well, he's just doing magic all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love Stephen Mulhern, okay? Stephen like, Mulhern's great. I know it's just nothing to do with Doctor Who, but I Stephen Mulhern is like overlooked. He's, he's a national treasure. He's great, he isn't he? Be. He deserves national treasure status. <laughs> um, the Doctor and Rose have a really nice chat in this episode just before he sends her back where they're sat on the floor mm. and they're just having a nice chat and he's like how come you haven't said let's just leave we don't have to be involved in this it's not a very long chat it's quite short which is quite surprising because I would like to have seen more considering that a lot of um, New Who especially with Eccleston they, develop, they devote a lot of time to intimate scenes with just two characters Felt that um, by this point we'd seen so many scenes between um, uh, the Doctor and Rose um, that we kind of didn't need a super long one this time to kind of establish that kind of you know wonderful chemistry they have. Um, it is interesting because really kind of that's the last kind of proper conversation they have, or at least it's the last conversation they have where one of them isn't about to die. No, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, because after that we have Rose talking to the hologram and then she's on Earth and then when she comes back, she's Bad Wolf and then the Doctor's about to die. So yeah, you are right, yeah. Yeah. What do you think to that hologram message from the Ninth Doctor? I think it's really well done. Because he's yeah, obviously recorded it. He's obviously recorded it after um, the Slovene attack where Jackie's mentioned to him, can you keep my daughter safe? Yeah, no, I think that's kind of... That's kind of probably one of the biggest um, bits of progression we see from the Ninth Doctor throughout this series. Kind of, he really kind of takes that kind of responsibility that he has for Rose to heart and that he kind of does kind of do what he, you know, the considerate thing. And it kind of is really interesting, really what Jackie kind of says about it in a later scene where she says, like, you know, I've made it clear that I don't like the Doctor, I don't like you running off of that man, but in this moment, I love him because he wanted to keep you safe. And that's kind of, it's like kind of a surprisingly kind of like, you know, heartfelt, well, not really surprisingly heartfelt because we know how much Jackie cares, but kind of for her to kind of say that about the Doctor, it's just, I just think that's a really lovely moment and kind of a lovely piece of kind of progression for kind of the both of those characters. Yeah, no, I really like it when we return to Earth and we catch up with Mickey and Jackie. Because, mm. especially Mickey in this episode, there's a big character development where when we last saw Mickey, he said, if you want me to stand around and wait for you, I will. And then in this episode, Rose says, there's nothing left for me on Earth. And Mickey's like, okay, let's get you off it. Yeah, like, Mickey, like, in, like, series one... No, I mean, episode one. <laughs> We're still in series one. Mickey, like, at the start of the series would have, like, you know, very much kind of done everything he could to stop her. But here it's kind of, he's, it feels like he's finally kind of, you know, come to a place of acceptance and he's accepted, you know, Rose is kind of, she's not, you know, want, it's not that she wants more than him, but she's kind of grown beyond him and that she's just changed and that he isn't willing to, he doesn't want to change in the same way and kind of, he's kind of come to a place of acceptance with that, which is very kind of a very refreshing piece of kind of like growth to see. Is it though that he's, that she's grown past Mickey or that she's just grown past, you know, a basic A to Z life of waking up 
going to the black and coming back? I mean, no, yeah, I think that's definitely it. I think it's definitely, like you said, kind of more of the fact that, you know, it's like she says, she's been exposed to all these wonderful things and a better way of living, which is such a wonderful way to put it. Um, and that, I suppose, it kind of Mickey and Jackie are things where she just can't not associate those with the life she used to lead and the person she used to be. So yeah. she kind of has to kind of put that behind her. Yeah, it's really well shown as well when they have that conversation in the takeaway where um, Mickey and Jackie are just talking about a new pizza restaurant and Mickey says, have you tried that new pizza restaurant? And Jackie goes, no, no, what do they sell? Pizza? <laughs> That's it. And it's just a um, really boring, funny, everyday conversation. But Rose is like, you know, 24 hours ago, was on a spaceship. Like just... Yeah. Yeah. That's thing she really like is thinking about like is pizza. Brewing in her, yeah. Mickey loves his pizza, like you can just doesn't kind he? Of, hmm. You like can kind of like see in that moment that just Rose does not belong there. She isn't a part of that world anymore, and yeah. she shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So while this is all going on on Earth, back on Satellite 5, Jack is recruiting his team of, um, you know, his team to help him somewhat defeat the yeah. Daleks. He gives advice to them in which he says, just use this normal gun, shoot it with a bullet, it'll rip the Dalek clean open. But he sort of already knows that's not true. Do you think he just says that to give these people confidence, but he knows that he's only using them as bait and to give them um, some extra time? So he's like, I know that these three yeah. people are going to die, but they need to die to save everybody else. Uh, I don't, I don't, it's a hard one to read into because... There's a lot to pull apart there because there's first the question of how much does Jack, you know, under know and understand about the Daleks? Um, clearly, he knows who they are, but has he ever actually faced one before this point? Um, and then there's the fact that I mean, I suppose there is a case to be made that whether or not people were to fight with him, everyone on that satellite was kind of inevitably going to die. Yeah. Um, so maybe it, perhaps it was something to kind of give people hope and purpose in their last moments, which I su- suppose is kind of better than saying, you know, you're all going to die here no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. But why, why does Dr. Keep Linda? He sends Rose back to Earth. Oh, sorry, he sends Rose to a safe place, but he keeps Linda on the ship even though he's already asked her to leave. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess with Rose, it's kind of easier because he can, firstly, has the promise he made to Jackie, and second, there's the fact that he can, you know, send her back home. Yeah. It's kind of hard for him to send Linda home because home for her is where she already is in that point in time. But she obviously doesn't live on the satellite. She obviously has a place to live. Mm, but I mean, is it, do they establish him as a way to get off the satellite back to Earth? I'm not sure if he could have just put her in the TARDIS with Rose and sent her back to Earth. That would have gone down swimmingly, I feel. (laughs) Well, someone from like the far future just hanging out around in the 21st century. No, I just mean like Rose's frustration of being sent back in time with this woman who clearly fancies the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would be funny. Yeah, it would. I'd like to see it. It would be funny. It would kind of take away from what's going on in the 21st century. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really nice scene back on Earth um, where Rose tells Jackie that she's seen Pete Tyler. Yeah, that's a really great scene. And it's kind of a great example of kind of how kind of even kind of episodes not written by Russell, which I guess you wouldn't expect to tie into the overall series arc, you know, are established and used and bring the story to a resolution. Yeah, because yeah. it starts, doesn't it, with Jackie saying, this is what your dad would have done, and she shuts it down and says, no, I know you're lying about who my father is. Oh, sorry, about what he's actually like. I've met him. I know what he would say. Yeah, it was really... Yeah, and it's... I mean, I have to commend it to um, the performance um, there, because Jackie's reaction is such kind of a human one, yeah. you know? Like, we can't really say how someone would react if you found out that your daughter 
um, travel back in time to be with your um, husband when he died because that's not something that's going to happen. But I feel like Russell Z. Davis here got pretty damn close to what the natural human reaction would be. Yeah, because it's sort of that. Because when I watched it, I was like, why is she so angry? She went back and made sure her father didn't die on her own. But then, obviously, Jackie will be asking the question of why didn't you save him? Mm. So, but obviously... Yeah, it's such kind of a loaded... Yeah, it's kind of such a loaded, overwhelming thing. There'd be a lot for her to kind of process there, yeah. Yeah. What do you think to Mickey's new car? He's got a new car. It's a nice car. Uh, I can't remember. What was his new car like? He's got it's a green Mini morning. Cooper, and he used to have a yellow Beetle. I mean, like, green's a better car colour than yellow. <laughs> I mean, I don't think either are excellent car colours, if I'm being frank. Oh, really? You're a car guy now, are you? Huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, this on, is then. Now, what colour um, should our cars be? Uh, all right. Um, uh, well, you have a white car, don't you? I do. I mean, a that's white a good Lamborghini. Car color, like. Yeah. Mm. And you keep it. You keep it uh, surprisingly clean. I, I wouldn't get a white car because, like, <laughs> because I'd be worried about it getting dirty. Easily. He's got three big blobs of bird shit on the bonnet right now. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Bird shit is white, so it blends it's in. It's green. Oh. Yeah, Maybe so good. Maybe should have gotten a green car. <laughs> no, I've got white bird shit all over it. Um, yeah. So Rose looks into the heart of the TARDIS. Is that really good scene where she's determined to look into it, turns her into the bad wolf, and she develops this really cool a way of defeating the Daleks and all these Dalek spaceships with this really sort of sweet dis- disintegration effect. Yeah kind of pulling them apart atom by atom. It's a really c- kind of cool visual, yeah. Instead of just exploding, they sort of like, you know, like when you get a plastic bottle and you loosen the lid and you squish it in the, you squish it from end to end. Yeah. <laughs> it's this really good effect. Yeah, and... and... Isn't there a scene where she catches a Dalek laser as well or she like just stops it? Yeah, she is. Like she puts her hand out and catches it. Um, yeah. You know, like Darth Vader style. What do you think to that, to the actual bad wolf? Because obviously that's like, the series, isn't it? That's what this series was leading up to. Yeah. Um, now I think it's a cool kind of um, twist. I feel like perhaps some people might argue that by this point in the show, kind of like the answer to a mystery being like it's the Doctor or it's the Companion or it's the Doctor and the Companion. I'm sure you can find examples of all of those. It, by this point in you Who is getting to a point where it can be a bit cliche if not handled correctly. But here, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like an effective twist. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wish we could have had a bit yeah. more time of Rose with Bad Wolf powers. I feel like you get we get like three minutes and that's it. Yeah, and it would have been interesting, kind of, because there's kind of a question of how much of Rose in that moment is still Rose, and how much of it is the TARDIS kind of yeah. channeling itself through Rose. In a way, it's almost kind of a precursor to the Doctor's wife in that sense. Um, yeah. That'll be a fun Especially episode. That's, when... a, that's a Neil Gaiman episode, and you recently recommended um, um, his series, Good Ermans. Oh, no, it's like a Neil Gaiman episode. Yeah, it is, yeah. I didn't even realise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call yourself a fan. Yeah, I, I, do, I do quite like Neil Gaiman. <laughs> um, but in, in, talking about this, um, kind of, this kind of feels like a precursor in the fact that kind of also the way the Doctor reacts. Yeah. Um, it's to me kind of the way that she when she talks about how like she can see like all of time and space and how it hurts, and the doctor kind of says that's how I feel. I don't know if like this is just like me like reading too much into it, but to me it seems like he's almost kind of like attracted to Rose kind of more <laughs> in that moment because they can kind of connect through that kind of shared knowledge of kind of time and space. Yeah, especially when you look back to the first episode and he doesn't want a companion and he stops Rose and he says, I can feel the spin of the earth and I can feel us being pulled into the centre of it and he does that really nice speech about the earth spinning. Yeah. And she's like, what? (laughs) It's just like too much for her to comprehend. Yeah, it's also in this scene that we get that they finally kiss. Looks like you need a doctor. Oh, 
like I played the clip right there. That was the exact audio clip. And Harry was. also, he, he's got someone in the room as well. Ha- well, for the, nobody can see this, only I can see this. But Harry sat with someone who was just very quiet, and he just turned to him there and gave him a little kiss. Oh, uh, oh, you, you want to kiss uh, Chris? <laughs> you, you, you came back, Mister Eccleston. Okay. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> what is this? 13 episodes and well, I think I we just, might have lost I, it. I just kissed my good friend, Christopher Eccleston. What who is... Is... And don't worry, we're in the same um, bubble. We're, we're good. <laughs> I can't wait until you become an actor and one day maybe work with Christopher Eccleston. I'll go, hey, Mr. Eccleston, can I show you this? <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> Here's I'm sure my friend Harry pretending he's kissing you on a podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he's a man of good humour. Um, <laughs> uh, if, if you ever do come across this, Mr. Eccleston, I, I'm a big fan of your work. Uh, I, I, you're especially good in uh, Come Home and The Second Coming, as well as Doctor Who, of course. I'd, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. That's a kiss you. Why do you say that? Why do you say I that? I mean, if that's in the script... No. Um, I think the Ninth Doctor has some of the most iconic last Doctor lines, doesn't he? As in his regeneration scene? Yeah, I'll get into his actual regeneration, but I think his lines of, I was going to take you to so many places, going to go to Barcelona, not the city Barcelona, planet Barcelona, you have dogs with no noses, imagine how many times a day you'll end up saying that joke and it's still funny. Uh, Maybe I'll come back with two heads on no head and don't say that's an improvement. Um, yeah. I'm surprised I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of um, but yeah, it's kind of like the perfect kind of send off for the Ninth Doctor. Kind of how he kind of he's putting up this kind of jovial, fun, kind of goofy front, and but you can kind of tell that it's masking a layer of kind of real kind of melancholy. Yeah, um, is that's kind of it's kind of a very quintessential Ninth Doctor moment. I can't imagine that scene working for any other incarnation of the Doctor, which I think is kind of a good sign of a regeneration. Uh, yeah. So we can go, we'll go into the actual regeneration scene because there is obviously a big backstory to this because it wasn't originally planned for Chris to leave at the end of the series. So, Harry, would you like to know more? Yeah, tell me about that. Oh, want to talk about the regeneration first. No, I just said, would you like to know more? I would like to know more, yeah. That's great because I'm going to tell you. So... <laughs> Um, around halfway through the series being aired, around the Empty Child Dalek time, it was announced that Chris would be stepping down from the Doctor and they announced that Tennant would be replacing him. Um, Tennant had previously worked with Russell on Casablanca and um, you know stuff like that. So. I mean, is it Casanova? Casanova, what did I say? Casablanca? Yeah, is that, that's a different film, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, the original ending for the series was that they would be in the TARDIS and they're about to go off an adventure. The Doctor looks at his monitor and he sees that Rose is in fact infected with a deadly disease and that would be the series cliffhanger. Mm. So they actually filmed this with the full crew already knowing that they were going to film the regeneration scene Gen- that night. So that was never intended to be the series finale? Not by this point, no. When, by okay. the, when oh, so, they, they had filmed it, knowing it was never going to be shown. Okay, so when they when Russell originally wrote it, it was going to be the series finale, but yeah. by the point they got around to filming, they knew Chris was stepping down. Yeah, but they filmed it so that the crew would believe that that was the end, and then later that night they came back with a smaller skeleton crew, people like doubling up on jobs, and filmed the actual regeneration scene, which wasn't really kept a secret from the crew, apparently, because apparently the next morning, people turned up and went, oh, how did the secret filming go last night? (laughs) 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 Which I think is great. Um, Yeah, Chris was only contracted for the one series, so there was no disagreement there about, you know, well, you've signed on for two, you've got to do the two or anything like that. Yeah. And um, equally, it wasn't a thing where he was like booted off the show earlier yeah. than expected. Yeah, and if you actually watch the scene, um, you see Chris say, 
you know, so that was fantastic, and so was I. His arms fly back, and his head disappears. But when you actually see the close-up of the face, it is already David Tennant's face, just very bright, and so you can't really see it, which is why all of a okay. sudden you see the hair go, poof, out the side of it's his just head. Because that, that's the one thing I always noticed watching the, the regeneration scene. The thing that always sticks out to me is that kind of hair, like, like kind of... <laughs> poofing into place yeah yeah so that's why you see the hair because what they did is they basically slicked back david tennant's hair and then you know reshot it with normal hair so there right. isn't actually a morph there because i believe Tennant's scene was filmed about three to six months later yeah interesting so Very they just marked out on the floor and said stand there I wonder if um, I wonder if Billy was even like on set for that because he wouldn't probably wouldn't have had to be because they could have just had her reaction shots from the last shoot. Well, I think Billy was there. I'm trying to remember. I watched mm. an interview with David. I think she was there, and I imagine she would have been because the first time we actually see the tenth Doctor is in the short comic relief thing, Born Again, which has Billy in it, and I oh. imagine they might have been filmed around the same time. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine Billy would have been there, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Is there, is there anything interesting. from this episode that we haven't talked about? Um, we haven't talked about our very first moments of David Tennant recently voted the country's most popular doctor. Can I briefly talk about that? Because um, Yeah, that ranking. Yeah, I think that ranking isn't wrong because it would make sense that Tennant would be voted most popular doctor because when he was a doctor, more people were watching the show, so more people know him as the doctor. So when you do the vert, people are going to go, well, I remember him, so I'm going to click that one. Yeah, absolutely. But so I, that... I, I understand. I, I don't, obviously, I don't agree with the um, ranking, because like, Eccleston is like way down there. Oh, he's not way down there, but he's lower than I'd put him. Yeah. But I, for a reflection of what the nation thinks... You can't really argue with it. Yeah. Of course, Ten will be the most popular. I don't think, I don't think Ten will ever cease to be the most popular doctor in this country for a very long time. And of course, yeah. Jodie's going to be number two because she's like the current doctor. Yeah. So a lot of people right now will associate the show with her, and exactly. you know that's kind of what you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, Tennant's going to be there. More, more people watched him as a doctor than they have any other modern doctors so much so that when series four when he reunites with rose and he's running and he it gets exterminated by a dalek and he starts to regenerate and at the end of that episode in the start of the next episode they gained an extra two million viewers really because people thought he was gonna yeah because it went in the news and people went oh my god david Tennant's regenerated you know at the end of the last episode it ended with him regenerating and people expected the, to tune in the next week to see like David Morrissey appear as the next Doctor. In I, uh, oh man, I mean, I feel like because I remember, I have a very clear memory of kind of that cliffhanger and the next episode, and I feel like I want to save that for when we get to that story. Uh, same. All I'll say is um, when that happened, but I live with my at the time I live with my just my mum. And it happened five minutes after the episode went off. My dad phoned up to make sure I was okay. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, we'll, you we'll, really but, love. <laughs> but we'll, uh, did you we'll, like have a sorry, real kind of, Did you have like a real attachment to David Tennant? Though, I was a doctor? nuts about Doctor Who at that point. I was insane about it. Every Christmas and birthday, I had cakes. Doctor Who cakes. I had the bedding. I had the Tardis wardrobe. I had toys, I drew it, I made mini films with my friends. I was nuts about it. See, I feel like I kind of, I don't know what this says about my character when it comes to regenerations, but I never really feel that sad about regenerations. They always excite me a bit because I'm always just kind of so... hmm? They do now. I love a regeneration. I get very excited. Like, but like, even with Tenant's actual regeneration, I don't remember being sad. Like, I remember just like being really eager to see like the next person to see <laughs> Matt Smith. Oh, that's great. 
So yeah, yeah. I remember last time we did this podcast, you said um, one thing that stood out for you is how young David Tennant looks. He does. He looks so young. Like I know he's like only in his like thirties or something when he did it. Thirty-five. Like yeah, yeah. But he looks younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) Do Do you think? I saw a thing with Tennant where he said, "They said, are you going to return for the sixtieth?" And he said, uh, "You know, it would be fun." but there is only so many times I can return before I start to age out of looking like I did. I think Tennant now doesn't look like he did at, in his first appearance, but still looks like he did at the end of his series. Yeah, I know I agree with that. I think Tennant still, as long as he's, like, shaved, um, <laughs> yeah. as long as he's shaved, um, I think he still looks like the Temple Doctor. Yeah. It's not like they're yeah. getting Colin Baker back and he's going, it's me, I'm Colin Baker from the 80s. How'd you do? <laughs> yeah. And it's not like we're going to have to do a thing like they did with um, P. Davison where they say there's some kind of weird time distortion thing. Uh, yeah, that's what they did, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny if we, if we no. get around to doing that. Yeah. No, David, I feel like David... The thing is, I feel like Eccleston couldn't make a live-action comeback. I feel like now he definitely looks very different to how he looks when he originally the show. He does, doesn't show. he? But I feel like if you just yeah. gave him the haircut... Maybe, yeah. Maybe I dyed mean, his hair a bit, I don't know. I mean, when they brought back Captain Jack, they just, like, caked John Barrowman with makeup, didn't they? And <laughs> they put him did. in a low-light setting. Yeah, they did, yeah, definitely. But so, I feel like they didn't even need to do that. They could have just said, like, you know, he was finally starting to age really slowly. Well, we know he ages because he turns into the face of Bo, doesn't he? Yeah. So, like, they didn't have to go that far with Captain Jack. Yeah, I've got um, some um, some things, um, some thoughts here that people have um, said about this episode. Um, Cameron says, this is a brilliant episode and shows how far the Doctor has come in 12 episodes from being... A slightly shy, um, abrasive loner to a happy and open doctor that he's become. Also, the coward any day line is one of the best in the 57 years of Doctor Who. What's the coward any day line? Do you remember that? Um, it's the bit where he's contemplating between her destroying Satellite 5 and destroying the Earth uh, with all the Daleks or not doing and letting the Daleks go free. And uh, the Emperor Dalek asks the Doctor, are you a killer or a coward? And he just can't pull the trigger, and he says, coward any day. Well, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, Sam says, yeah. oh, yeah, I've got one. Um, I've just um, I've, I've just come up... I've just... What's, you got to spell this right, Sam. You absolute moron. Oh, no, sorry, it's me reading it wrong. <laughs> it's just something right, I've... Don't call our listeners morons. <laughs> <laughs> It's just something I've picked up on through rewatching, and forgive me if you figured it out ages ago, but it only came to me recently. The whole concept of the Big Brother, the TV show, actually being used by the Daleks is a str- is a string of shows to feed the Earth information. It's straight out of Orwell's 1984. The idea that Big Brother is watching you is such a brilliant concept that it went completely over my head until I read the book a couple of years ago. So basically... Oh, what have I done? So basically, 1984 leads into Big Brother TV show name, which leads to the TV show being used in some way. Big Brother is used in 1984. It's sci-fi cycle, and only Russell T. Davis could have pulled it off. Yeah. I, I, see, that I, I even, didn't even cross my mind that I've read 1984. Yeah. But no... It kind of does feed into that kind of dystopian theme, especially since that's kind of like the first um, Satellite 5 show were introduced to. Yeah. Kobe yeah. says, it's a great uh, it's a great showing of Nine's coward any day and his ruthlessness and his refusal to use the Delta Wave cement. Um, cement's how the time war affected him. Likewise, the Daleks... Um, taking over Satellite 5 and killing Jack and Linda really established them as scary. Mm. Yeah, so there's definitely a theme of, you know, this is a good episode. This is a standout episode. Like what you said at the very beginning, it concludes itself very well. Yeah, and like, I mean, there was a lot riding on it because um, Series 1, I I think, is one of the best, if not the best series of 
modern Doctor Who. Um, that might change uh, when we get to later um, series, but I think that it needed, you know, a big finale, a satisfying season finale, an emotive finale, and it really yeah. just takes all those boxes brilliantly. No, definitely. Oh my God, Harry, I'm not recording. I can see the red doctor. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I wanted to trick you. There was like a half second where my heart just dropped. <laughs> but then I looked up and I was like... I do have nah. some good news there, Harry. Something that you'll be very excited about. Wait, well, it's only taken it? 13 hours. You've got to pretend we haven't already recorded this, so pretend to act really That's surprised. what I'm doing, Tim. That's what I'm oh, doing. Oh, I'm <laughs> Sorry from the beginning. Sorry. You're such a good actor, Harry. <laughs> we do have some good news, though, Harry. But we do? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this something you've already... What was this? We've got our first email. No. I don't. I'm not going to edit around this. I'm going to just leave in the big blooper. But we do have our first email. Uh, well, uh, Tim, I was like doing my acting thing. <laughs> oh, Tim, I was trying. I was trying to do my acting thing. Well, you fooled me twice. I'm trying to use my. What? You fooled me twice though, because each time I thought, does he actually know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, we did. We got our first email. Well, we got it a few days ago, and we've already. Harry already was very excited. Um, the email is from Thomas. He says, Hi, I'm a new listener and I've binged the first six episodes. I really enjoyed them. Um, the reason you can only listen to six at the moment is because these are recorded like a good few months in advance, aren't they, Harry? Yeah, yeah. We like to stockpile. So maybe when you're sending your emails, they might not appear on the show for like a good three or four episodes in the future. But Tom says, I cannot wait for you to get into episodes such as School Reunion, Blink, Series 4 and 5, The Doctor's Wife, The Dip, Doctor Hem, and Sent, Rose, and The Fugitive of the Jadoon, and companions such as Sarah Jane Smith, Donna Noble, River Song, and Bill Potts, also Doctor, such as The 11th Doctor. Um, Tom wants to know, will you be, will you be watching slash reviewing Classic who has spin-offs Tortured Sarah Jane and Class? Also, are you going to do an adventure in space and time when you get closer to the 50th? Thanks for reading. Sincerely, Tom. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you for the email. When we got it the first time, it really made my day. And I'm so sorry that you're not going to get my genuine reaction to that because it was so joyous. I was really but annoyed. That was one thing I was annoyed about because I kept it a surprise. I didn't tell you. Because I got, I got I saw yeah, the email. Uh, I was like, oh, I've got to tell Harry. I was like, no, 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 I'll wait. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. <laughs> I was so excited, like, <laughs> unbelievably excited. So, we will be doing Classic Who. Um, in November, we're going to be doing The Three Doctors, which is a 10th anniversary mm-hmm. special. Um, we're going to redo that. Sorry, not redo that. We're going to review that. Um, I'd also like to do the TV movie at some point as well. Yeah, for TV. I've seen that once, but I'd, I'd like to rewatch it. Because yeah. when I first saw it, I had, like, zero understanding of, like, the extended Doctor Who like kind of timeline. Yeah, no, same. Um, in regards to spin-offs, I don't think we would do what we do now, which is an episode by episode breakdown. We're currently talking about possibly doing sort of a spin-off podcast that might just be just YouTube centric, where we basically just chat. So there's a chance we can maybe mention it on there because I've started watching Torchwood. I'm like halfway through series one, and I am enjoying it. Any good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's very different from what I remember. Um, yeah, much kind of gorier and mm. uh, sexier. Yeah, that's one thing I definitely noticed is how gory it is. I think the next episode I've got to watch is a cyber woman episode where it's basically just a woman in some underwear and a metal helmet. That's by Chris Chibnall, isn't it? Is it? Oh. Yeah, Chris Chibnall um, wrote the cyber. Li- I don't know if it's cyber woman or cyber lady. I think uh, it, I think it should just be cyber person. Um, maybe, I mean, like, <laughs> Cybermen don't really have any kind of distinctly male characteristics, do they? No, because Yvonne Hartman, she becomes a Cyberman, doesn't she, at the end of Series 2? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, Cyberman is kind of a non-gendered thing. I mean, I guess Dalek is, isn't gendered either, is it? No, I know what you mean, yeah. So, no, we'll definitely, yeah. 
we're going to get into some spin-offs and there's definitely some episodes that I'm looking forward to. Just to clarify, we haven't yet gotten to either of our first Doctor Who episodes, have we? No, we have not. Uh, no. But when we do, we will make a point of uh, saying so. They're both different, aren't they? They're, they're, as far as I'm aware, they're both different episodes. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, same. Cool, 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 cool. Oh, and when it comes to um, an adventure in space and time, we will definitely watch that when we get to around the 50th, just because I think it's kind of, it was a big part of that kind of year of kind of celebration, and I think it wouldn't really make sense to not do it. No, definitely, I definitely agree. Um, Not to mention kind of the links to Doctor Who it now has with um, David Bradley actually appearing in Who, and of course Sasha Dowen, the current master. Do we do do we do the fiftieth? Because the current plan is to do the fiftieth um when it's the actual anniversary, but what but we'll probably get to the fiftieth chronologically timeline wise before the actual date comes up. Hmm. So do we just do it when it comes up? I feel that makes more sense rather than going back. Because it's quite a significant episode. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. Part of me quite likes the idea of kind of doing it um, kind of chronologically with the show itself, especially yeah. because there's kind of, you know, there's like new plot information that kind of impacts the show as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a while, so we, I'm ha- we can wait. Yeah, I'm happy to wait. Just because I feel like, especially I when I first watched the 50th, I hadn't watched the show yeah. for a good few years. Uh, so a lot of its impact is kind of lost on me. Yeah. Anyway, Harry, yeah. one thing that I was slightly worried about when redoing this podcast is our famous segment, Quiz. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. Oh, yeah. Don't I worry. Could... I've... Button. I forgot all the questions. Well, that's okay because you ain't getting the same questions as last week. Um, what? You're okay. Oh, no, but an oncoming storm, uh, something road. Uh... <laughs> you are getting a whole of series one breakdown quiz from what culture? Oh boy. <laughs> well, what culture might have like easier questions than yours? I know someone who writes from what culture, so I've got some inside gossip there but I'll tell you that later um, just for interest some of the featured articles at the time of the recording are what is the worst part of your favourite movie Dark Crystal Age of Resistance cancelled after just one series why Supergirl just got cancelled Pacemaker 10 things you need to know about the Suicide Squad TV series 10 upcoming comic book TV shows to be excited about Friends Quiz Who Am I Joey or Rachel Doctor Who Series 8 8 Reasons Donna Noble saved the Doctor. Ten football TV shows about football. Ten Star Trek episodes that pissed people off. Doctor Who, ten worst New Who villains, and so on. So you ready for your quiz? Wow. How well do you know Series 1? Are you ready? Okay, I feel pretty ready. What is Rose's job? Primary school teacher, postwoman, shop assistant, tube driver. Well, we, have, we have, like, multiple choice. Easy, shop system. Cool. I'll get your answers at the end, but I know you're right. The nesting consciousness is hidden beneath which London landmark? Big Ben, the Houses uh, of Common, Kensington Palace, or the London Eye? London Eye? You don't even need to give me the options. <laughs> uh, which of the following is not a guest on Platform 1? The Face of Bode, the Mighty Jagrafest, the Mox of Balhoon, the Trees of Chen. I want to say the Mighty Jagrafest. Why? Uh, just because I don't. I think they're from somewhere else in the episode, in the series. How many operations has Cassandra had? 102, 220, 337, or 708? Uh, I'm going to go for the second biggest one. 337? Yeah. Okay, get your answers at the end. Actually, no, 708. Oh, I've already clicked it. I've got to accept your first answer. It's fine, it's fine. (laughs) Treat it like a proper quiz show. First answer. 
What place and time is the Doctor actually aiming for when he lands a TARDIS in Cardiff, 1869? Is he aiming for Mauritius, 1838? Oh, Jesus, these are hard to pronounce. Isle, 1845. No, Naples, 1860. Or Nice, 1873. I think it's Naples. Okay. This is hard. Yeah, it's getting harder. Which of Charles Dickens' Dickens publications does the Doctor call the best short story ever written? A House to Let, The Single Man, a message from the sea, the long voyage. Oh, the signalman. Okay. When the Slovene transform, what is the colour of the light that emits from their forehead? Pink, green, blue, or red? Blue. The doctor briefly holds back the Slovene by threatening to blow them up with what? Alcohol, gas, petrol, or vinegar? Alcohol. Okay. Oh, yeah, this isn't it, yeah. What password does the doctor give Mickey so he can access UNIT and the Royal Navy? This was a question I remember asking you. Is it bison, buffalo, goat, or cow? Buffalo. It's buffalo. Um, so far, a lot easier than the quizzes you give me. <laughs> So my quiz is a bit harder. Oh yeah, so much harder. Uh, the website's crashed. This is great. <laughs> um, let's just say I won. The Doctor Rose and the and the others take refuge from the Raptors in what building? A church, a museum, a castle? Church. Yeah, well done. You know, it was the iconic line: "Get in the church." Right. <laughs> like, what is Pete Tyler holding when he's hit by a car? A vase, a bunch of flowers, a photograph, or a hat? It's a vase. It's a vase. <laughs> this quiz is balls. What does Captain Jack use to destroy a pair of female robots attempting to kill him? A gravity gun, his bare hands, a compact laser disc, or compact a. Compact laser. Yeah, not disc, deluxe thing, yeah. Please let that be the last question. You scored 84%, Harry. Oh, well, it turns out I do like Doctor Who after all. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, the correct answer for the number of operations Cassandra had was 708. Ah, I knew it. <laughs> um, what does the editor call the mighty geographer? She said peaked. It's Max. Ah. But apart from... Oh. What sonic device does Captain Jack possess? You said a sonic diffuser, it's a sonic blaster. Of course it was. Who does Rose vote for in the first round of the weakest link? You said Colleen, it's Fitch. Ah, dang it. Apart from that, you've got them all right, so well done. Hooray. (laughs) That was a really boring long quiz, wasn't it? We'll probably cut that. (laughs) So uh, that sort of brings us to the end of series one of Big Ronnie and Zard. Um, next week we'll be doing a series one recap, which will be coming out. Um, thanks for listening. We were I, we had a quick look into the listeners and the analytics the other day, and I think we were both pleasantly surprised by people actually listening to this. Yeah, it's weird to think that um, this little thing we kind of did for fun now has like people listening. Yeah. And it's weird. It I'm talking right now, and people are gonna hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, really, thanks for listening. Um, do send your emails in whilst the podcast isn't actually on, because there's a chance we'll just read them out in videos anyway, or in second seasons, or follow us on. Oh, I've got the thing here, haven't I? You would have thought after like 13 episodes, I would have got the hang of this. You can follow us on Twitter at Bigger on the Pod, YouTube, Bigger on the Inside Podcast, Acast Shows.acast.com forward slash Bigger on the Inside. Leave us a five star review on iTunes and email the show, Bigger on the Inside Pod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, everyone. It's been very good fun, hasn't it, Harry? Yes, it was great to talk about this episode for the first time. What's one thing about Series One that has stood out for you that you didn't think? Would what's something that's taking you by surprise? 
Mickey and Jackie. Really? Yeah. I, I forgot how well-realized characters they were. And I think that lended itself really well to when we did that one fantastic scene a couple of weeks back. <laughs> well, we spent more time talking about them than yeah, it was like the Ninth Doctor. A celebration of the Ninth Doctor. We were like, oh, Mickey's good in this, isn't he? So it's Jackie. <laughs> So thank you all very much for um, for listening and messaging us. You know, get in touch with us uh, with any episode suggestions or things you'd like us to do, and um, you know we'll take a look at it. So I'll say goodbye, bye bye. Now, Harry, would you like to say goodbye? Bye bye. Oh, was that too loud? Would the Ninth Doctor like to say goodbye? Yep. Fantastic. You're not gonna do what you did last time? That was much better. <laughs> I did I do I did that for the ranking. No, you didn't, you did it for the episode, I think. No, I did it for the ranking. No, you didn't you did it for the episode, I swear you did. No, I, d- I definitely did it for the ranking. Oh well this is this is the end of the first series and it's such a flat line. I'm I'm now on our YouTube channel, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna find it. Because I think you're okay. wrong. Um, okay, for anybody well, interested, Warner Brothers Entertainment have just uploaded a video called Joker, the Joker, put on a happy face, and it's 35 minutes long for people who um, still care about that. What's that about? I don't know. <laughs> no idea. I might check that out. I liked Joker. Yeah, I did, but I feel like I feel like now with movies, people get too um, involved in them they're like this is the new classic and I'm like you, you can't force a classic you just yeah no to... it's too early to call Joker a classic you just Definitely. have to let stuff sit and give it like if people are still talking about Joker yeah. in 15 years then yeah yeah so here I we feel go. like people probably will um, yeah. be talking about I, the, in question, the question is like whether people would still be talking about Joker if it wasn't a Joker film yeah that's a good point that actually yeah yeah I feel like Joaquin P- Phoenix is definitely a great performance from him. Yeah. Um, he won the Oscar regardless. Um, but um, whether it would have, it definitely wouldn't have made as much money if it wasn't a Joker film. You, you were right, Harry. You did do the Christopher Eccleston goodbye thing in the ranking. Yeah. Yeah. See, I remember. I remembered. <laughs> so we'll, we'll 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 end again. Um, also, uh, if. I, like that conversation we were we sort of half asked there about Joker. That's the kind of stuff I think we would we would talk about on our um, more chilled out yeah, podcast. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, bye everybody. Say bye, Harry. Bye bye. Hey. Don't forget to click below to subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.